feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And tonight, some breaking news and some very serious language coming from all sides in the war of Ukraine. First of all, President Biden, just a little bit ago, calling Putin a murderous dictator, a pure thug, as the rhetoric is ratcheting up. And there is a lot of reason for the rhetoric to be ratcheting up tonight, because take a listen to what President Vladimir Putin had to say just a little bit ago with some very serious language harkens back to World War II. Take a listen. But any people, the Russian people especially, are able to distinguish true patriots from bastards and traitors and will spit them out like a gnat that accidentally flew into their mouths. I am certain that this necessary and natural self-cleaning of our society will only strengthen our country, our solidarity, togetherness, and our readiness to answer any calls to action. And in the midst of all of this, he is saying they are ready to cleanse Russian traitors. Think about that kind of language when you use the word cleanse and you think back to World War II. I believe tonight we have a modern-day Hitler. And I want to hear from you tonight. What do we need to do to stop this madman? Where do we go from here? Because, boy, is it getting really, really serious. And knowing the history of Vladimir Putin, you kind of have to take him at his word. And that's the sad thing, because he has telegraphed that he was planning to take over Ukraine. Guess what? They started bombing the heck out of that country said, you know, basically everybody's a target. Now he has been hitting women and children, leveling a theater, which now they believe there were about a thousand maybe women and children inside. Um, This man is completely out of control. And now the world, you can tell. And I've covered, you guys, a lot of war zones. I've been in a lot of hot spots. Today, when I was listening to the Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, saying, here's what we think is sort of ahead. Here's what we believe. And he's always been pretty measured. He came out almost immediately and used the word chemical weapons. And that is because he is very concerned that Vladimir Putin may unleash hell on earth on Ukraine, potentially in the very, very near future. Here is former Secretary of State Nikki Haley talking about it because she says this is going right back to Putin's old playbook, what he did in the past. And she says there's a very good chance he may do it again in the future. Take a listen. My concern was a few days ago when Putin started to refer to the fact that there were bioweapon labs in Ukraine. That was very chilling for me because the last time that they kind of tried to play games like that was literally with Assad in Syria. And within a week, they used chemical weapons. And they would do this when they couldn't break through certain resistance. They would do this when they couldn't conquer areas they wanted to conquer. If they want to get into Kiev and they can't get there. 
They want to get into Kiev and they cannot get there. And she said that's what sort of happened in Syria when he hit a little bit of a road bump and things were not going as he expected. He did that to accelerate his conquest of the people in Aleppo. And he killed more than 10,000 people at that time. And she said, we sadly have to take him at his word. And now he is using phrases like, we have to cleanse the traitors of Russia. So who are the traitors of Russia? Are they people within his own country? Does he consider Ukraine's the citizens there, traitors of Russia? Does he consider anybody who's against Russia, quote, traitors of Russia? This is getting into really serious heavy-duty stuff, and the world is clearly deeply, deeply concerned. And you can see it, even from the language, too, the fact that now President Biden is calling him, quote, a pure thug. What did it take him so long? I mean, I would have called him a pure thug, you know, years ago, even before Ukraine, but especially because of his activities that we have seen in the last few weeks. You know, you he, right away he was bombing targets with women and children. He wasn't caring what he was hitting. He was a pure thug from the minute he went into this country. But now we have clearly heard a change in rhetoric of our president and also other world leaders calling him out as they see it, saying he's a war criminal, a pure thug. Very strong language. It's the strongest I've heard yet from our president. And I'm happy to hear that he's finally somehow getting some sort of an epiphany about it. And Nikki Haley says, you know what? It is an absolutely horrific premise that we have to worry right now about Vladimir Putin doing the unthinkable to the Ukrainian people because she feels like he's in a box, that he has not had a lot of success over the last few weeks. There were reports that when he thought he was going to go into Syria— that uh, when he was going into Ukraine, he thought it was going to happen in a few days. It's now three weeks, and he is losing. There is a report that he may have lost seven to 8,000 of Russian troops, that he's lost at least four or five of his top commanders, his top generals. That's a big deal, too. And all of these things are major blows to the Russian military. But again, does he feel like, okay, he's in a box and he wants to have a military victory for his ego? This man is nuts. And now we are hearing from Nikki Haley just of a major concern that chemical weapons are. Take a listen to a little bit more how she describes it. This is kind of, you know, the prelude for saying he's going to use chemical weapons and he'll just wipe the people out so that he doesn't have to encounter any more resistance. We need to be very, very cautious of that, Martha. I saw what chemical weapons can do. It's a horrific death. You are choking and suffocating on your own fluids. It's horrendous. And it takes everything to a whole new level if he uses chemical weapons. And I think that Biden and his administration need to say that. Yeah, it sure, sure does. By the way, I just did a new podcast with Jerry Boykin. He was one of the original Delta Force members. And I'm going to play a little clip for that a little bit later on because he believes that if Putin goes to chemical weapons, then a no-fly zone absolutely has to be put in place immediately. Like that is a game changer. That is well beyond any sort of red line. And I want to hear from you tonight because, boy, are things ratcheting up. Boy, are things getting incredibly serious And what do you think we should do to stop, really, a modern-day madman? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. You know, it's interesting. You think about how much has changed in the last three weeks. 
you know, first he comes into Ukraine, then he starts hitting targets. Of course, he goes almost immediately to civilian targets. We're now seeing images in Kiev where he's gone after apartment buildings. He's gone after shopping malls. He has gone after universities. He has gone after so many of these things. We also heard Zelensky this week pleading and saying, please, please, please get us air cover. Get us a no-fly zone. Get us those MiGs. So tonight... Now hearing Vladimir Putin saying he is ready to cleanse basically the world of Russian traitors, that they are scum and they're going to be treated that way. And this is a man who sadly has carried through on many of his threats in the past in a very vicious and brutal way, including using chemical weapons. What do we need to do right now? Do we need to give them those MiGs, first of all, into Ukraine, what are we waiting for? I've said this all along. We should have just snuck it in. We shouldn't have even telegraphed to the world that we were going to do it. We should have somehow, whether it came through Poland or whatever country was going to give it to them, it should have gotten snuck in right away. And now it's become this big, big issue. And so far, we have not given them to the Ukrainian people. No fly zone, obviously, is a whole other issue. But at what point? Do we change on MIGs? And at what point do we change on a no-fly zone now that we are hearing him talk about very serious stuff and sort of threats of maybe a chemical weapon attack? He's claiming, oh, maybe it's going to come from the Ukrainian people. It's this whole false flag operation that the Russians have been known to do. And usually they try to blame it on somebody else when they're about to do it themselves. And when you hear who has always been, I think, a really tepid Secretary of State, the current one. We just heard from the, you know, obviously from Nikki Haley, former U.N. ambassador. But take a listen to Secretary Tony Blinken, who usually is kind of tepid. I always find him to be not really soft, as uh, uh, one of my uh, favorite senators there, John Kennedy, describes. He needs a uh, backbone, not a wishbone. I just feel like he's kind of limp and just kind of, you know, lackluster, sort of like Biden. But today, when Secretary Blinken opened his conference today, his, you know, basically his briefing at the State Department, this was pretty incredible. My jaw dropped when he said this because normally he's like, well, huh, maybe this, maybe that, maybe this. He said, listen, we have been able to pretty much get the good intel on what Putin is doing. We've had a pretty good idea of his actions. We thought he might go in at that point, and he did go in at that point. I still wonder, why didn't you do more to stop it? My goodness. But he still says, listen, our intel is showing XXX is going to happen. And now, today, he said, this is what our intel is showing as a likely next move for Vladimir Putin. Take a listen. We have a strong sense of what Russia could do next. We believe that Moscow may be setting the stage to use a chemical weapon and then falsely blame Ukraine to justify escalating its attacks on the Ukrainian people. Manufacturing events and creating false narratives of genocide to justify greater use of military force is a tactic that Russia has used before, including in Georgia. So we have a pretty good sense that there's a chance that they will use chemical weapons, not, oh, it's an option, we don't really want to talk about it. What's actually really frightening is to hear this kind of a rhetoric saying that we've got a pretty good sense he's planning to use chemical weapons on the Ukrainian people. And again, when he has done this in the past, he wiped out more than 10,000 people in Aleppo, Syria. This is a guy, sadly, 
who sometimes, as you heard from Nikki Haley, you got to take him at his word. What do we need to do now? What do what do we need to say? What do we need to do? Do we need to actually give those MIGs? Is it time to give them more support? Is it time for a no-fly zone? You know, a lot of people in America are still against the no-fly zone. I, I feel like it would drag us in. But do we also want to wait? What if he does this? What if he suddenly says, okay, yeah, I am going to do, you know, uh, you know, or, and blame it on the Ukrainians or blame it on somebody else? Um, you know, just like, oh, I'm sorry, all those bombs hit those apartment buildings with those people. I didn't do it. They just kind of happened to drop there, you know? I mean, this is a guy who'll never admit that he did anything, but he's telegraphing to the world that he's planning on, quote, cleansing Russian traitors. So this is a madman, and the question is, how do we stop him now? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Frank in Long Island, New York. Go ahead, Frank. Your thoughts. What do we do now, Frank? Rita, what we do is we have to be good to our word. We made a deal in 1991 with NATO that said to the Russians, if they pull the ex-Soviet forces out of Eastern Europe, NATO will not expand its membership eastward. And now 30 years later, we're knocking on Russia's door by considering including Ukraine as a member of NATO, a country that has said that they are willing to put offensive missiles in their country to point at Moscow. This is the same mistake we made in 1958 with Turkey, and it caused the Cuban Missile Crisis. What we need to do is stop the propaganda. Unless you're on the ground in Ukraine, you don't know what's going on in those buildings or those apartments. You don't know what the situation is of who's running a false flag. But what we do know is that if we escalate, we're running the risk of nuclear destruction. But all we have to do is be good to our word, get out of a country that we have no vital interest or security interest in, and stop the aggression against Russia because they are good to their word. If you poke them, they're going to poke back, and they've been attacked twice in the last two centuries. They gave up 40 million of their own people to defend their motherland in World War II. Frank, this is not the battle the United States should be in. Well, and Frank, I hear your passion. I totally disagree with you, but I hear your passion, and I appreciate your call. Um, I feel extremely differently um, because, in this case, there is zero doubt that they have been the aggressor. Ukraine was just sitting there peacefully. Kids were playing in parks. Kids were going to the theater. Kids were going to the shopping mall. And guess what? A lot of those places don't exist anymore. Dear to your good friend, the motherland, the uh, mother of all Russia. So, you know, I, I mean, you seem like a real Russian apologist. And this is a guy who's talking about cleansing Russian traitors. This sure doesn't sound like a peaceful country in any shape or form. Uh, but I appreciate your calls. I completely disagree with it. And I want to hear from other folks, too, as well. one 800 848 one 800 It's the Rita Cosby Show. Breaking news. Now, the latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Tonight here on the Rita Cosby Show, officials in Mariupol, where they leveled that theater, are saying that they are experiencing 50 to 100 attacks a day from the Russians, mostly airstrikes that are just coming and pummeling into that city. 
There is also reports that in Mariupol, again, that theater where it's believed to have been about a thousand young children and women were supposedly in that theater. It was marked even children on both sides. And the Russians took a strike there um, that they believe that 90 percent of the buildings in that city have been hit by the Russians. Think about that. 90 percent of their city of the buildings have had some damage from the Russian airstrikes because they have just been pummeling that city for three weeks now. And of course, our thoughts and prayers are with those people tonight. Meantime, we are hearing some really heavy rhetoric from Vladimir Putin, uh, who in the middle of all this is upping the ante, at least verbally, not just from the airstrikes, the brutal attacks, but also saying that he is ready to cleanse those who are traitors of Russia and against Russia. And now uh, many people are saying that they have a madman on the loose. Take a listen to Senator John Cornyn describing Vladimir Putin. Putin is, um, I think, rational, but he's, uh, he's a little unhinged, and I think he is a megalomaniac. His, his main dream is to restore the Russian empire, and uh, he's willing to use whatever tools are available to him, including killing innocent women and children and invading a sovereign country like Ukraine in order to try to accomplish his goal. But I think he's seriously uh, misjudged. Let's hope he has seriously misjudged. And I hope also, by the way, that our president gets a backbone. I mean, he's talking a lot tougher about Putin in the last few hours. I'm happy to see that. But, boy, we need to get tough if this guy is on the verge, potentially, according to U.S. intelligence reports, that there is a good chance he may try to use chemical weapons. This is really serious stuff. one 800 848 Let's go to Francis in Regal Park, New York. Go ahead, Francis. What do you make of Putin? This is frightening when you hear his rhetoric. What I believe is that the traitors that he's referring to are the people in Russia. This goes back the same thing as with Hitler. Canaris, who was head of Abia Intelligence in World War II, and Asta, and Ludwig Beck, were all, Ludwig Beck was the general, they all were plotting against Hitler to overthrow him. They were waiting for signals from the Allies, from England and France especially, and they were going to move to remove Hitler. Now this, I'm reading a book at this point, it's called Spy Mistress by William Stevenson, the man called Intrepid. And it's a fascinating, fascinating book. And at this point, I believe that there are generals already. He's removing so many of these generals. They are trying to organize to have a coup in Russia to rid themselves of this madman. They are waiting for signals from us that we are strong and that we will back them. And if we don't show that we have courage, they are afraid to move. But I do believe he better be very careful of what he eats, Putin, what he drinks, and what kind of medicine he's taking. But, of course, it's like with Stalin. All of a sudden, in 1953, Stalin died. They may move against him and knock him off and say he died of natural causes he was sick because they do not want another World War III. They don't want it. They want to remove Putin, if they can possibly do it with backing from the allies, we have to show that we are strong and that we will be uh, uh, behind them, the people in Russia. Yeah, because, by the way, Francis, 
France, you know, you bring up some really powerful points because think about the guts of the people that are in Russia, um, those that are either secretly planning um, to try to overthrow Putin um, or remove him via whatever he eats and drinks, um, or think about also the people that are out there protesting. You know, there are a number of them. There were thousands of them that have been arrested. And even a journalist, remember, who kind of showed up behind the other journalist the other day, which was broadcasting. I mean, those people are so courageous. And that would be a great thing if somebody could suddenly remove Vladimir Putin, um, and especially if it's somebody within Russia who actually does it, um, because the Russian people got to say, wait a minute, he is isolating us from the world. And they got to be watching and going, this guy is killing women. He's killing children. Now there's talk of chemical weapons. I mean, this is really, this is a modern day madman. And the question is, what do we do? What do you think of what Francis just said? Is that the likely that somebody in Russia may take Putin out? Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment here on the Rita Cosby Show, a sad story coming out of Washington State where a sheriff's deputy has died after he was wounded during a shootout with a man wanted for a past assault. Uh, Dominic Dom Collada, 35 years old, was one of two deputies with the Pierce County Sheriff's Department who was shot during a mayhem at a mobile home park. Now, the deputies had joined local authorities with the South Sound Gang Task Force to arrest the suspect who was being sought on a warrant for a second-degree assault. Then gunfire suddenly erupted, and Deputy Collada and another officer were wounded during the shooting. Officer Collada, who I mentioned was just 35 years old, was also an Army veteran who had been with the Sheriff's Department for over six years He died from his injuries just a few hours ago, and he was married and leaves behind a young son. So it's an important reminder, first, of the tremendous work that our men and women in law enforcement do and the incredible sacrifice that they do every day um, and their families, too. And, of course, our thoughts and prayers are with Deputy Collada and, of course, his family tonight. And just to show how dangerous things are when they just went on what they thought was basically a, a routine arrest of bringing this guy in with a prior offense. And then it turned, obviously, tragic. And, of course, it's a great, uh, powerful reminder of how much we got to say thank you to our great men and women who are out there protecting all of us each and every day. Well, speaking of protection, boy, things are getting really dangerous over in Ukraine. Um, Tonight, there's word that there may have been some discussions in terms of breakthroughs. We're going to get to that in a little bit. But right now, people just think it is all talk from Vladimir Putin because he's also talking from the other side of his mouth and saying a whole bunch of other stuff that is very dangerous and very, very destructive. This is a comment from Vladimir Putin. I want to play it again because when you hear what he says, it is absolutely chilling. He is basically saying anybody who's a traitor of Russia are treated like scum and they should be cleansed. Take a listen. But any people, the Russian people especially, are able to distinguish true patriots from bastards and traitors and will spit them out like a gnat that accidentally flew into their mouths. 
I am certain that this necessary and natural self-cleaning of our society will only strengthen our country, our solidarity, togetherness, and our readiness to answer any calls to action. So how do you read that? Uh, you just heard from Francis that she believes it's him basically sending a message to fellow Russians. If you go up against me, you're going to be liquidated, if you will, cleansed in his word. When you hear the word cleanse, you just think of World War II. It is chilling to hear that kind of language. And many people also believe in the U.S. intelligence that they believe there is a very good chance that he is preparing to potentially use chemical weapons. And they say that without hesitation, sadly. In the last 24 hours, we heard from our Secretary of State today, Anthony Blinken, who was repeating that they are getting intelligence, that that could potentially be his next move because he's feeling like he's in a box. He is losing many, many officers over there in Ukraine. So what do we do, everybody, when we have a madman like this? And Nikki Haley, of course, former U.N. ambassador under President Trump, said that this is who Putin is. He is a deranged madman and anything could be on the table with him. Take a listen. This is Cut 21 with Nikki Haley. Well, it's just interesting because now he's starting to verbalize who he truly is. We always knew this about him. I and mean, we knew this when he helped cleanse people in Syria with chemical weapons. Mm-hmm. We've seen it through his brutal attacks when he's tried to poison um, political opponents and tried to eliminate people. I mean, so this is not anything new for him to think like that. It's just interesting that he has chosen to verbalize that, which lets us know he is seeing and feeling pressure on the inside. Now, do I think that's going to change his tactics? No, I don't think it's going to change his tactics. But you're seeing the real Vladimir Putin, and I think we need to take him at his word. Very scary. When you hear someone say, I think we need to take him at his word, that is a frightening premise. And by the way, we do a weekly podcast called Protecting America. And I just had a really powerful discussion. It's going to go up tomorrow, the full um, episode. It's a brand new episode. And I talked to Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin. He's been in the U.S. Army for 36 years, been in many a battle And he also was one of the original members of the elite Delta Force. And I asked him, what do you make of these comments coming from Vladimir Putin and the potential for a chemical attack on the people of Ukraine? And he said, should that happen, that that would be a red line? And he said there cannot be any gray. He's not a big supporter of no-fly zones. He believes right now there should not be. Uh, a no-fly zone. In other words, he doesn't like it. He thinks that it would draw the U.S. in. I think a lot of people agree with that, um, that, you know, putting up a no-fly zone means you got to shoot down the Russian planes and all that. He says, we should not do that now. But take a listen. He says, if Vladimir Putin uses chemical weapons, then we should telegraph to him now. Don't go there. Because if you do, guess what? then you do get a no-fly zone. He said there should be no gray with this president, our president, and the world should that happen. Take a listen. Here's a little excerpt. This is a very powerful discussion with General Boykin. What should we do now? Because there's also concerns, and we've heard it much more vocal in the last day or two, General Boykin, about his possible use of chemical weapons. He's done it before in Aleppo, as we know, in Syria. Many people are concerned that that could be what's on his tap next. And I think that's where we establish a no-fly zone. We start evacuating those people out of there as quickly as we can, and we fly it with Americans. 
Look, I've been to war multiple times, and it's ugly, and you lose people. But America is America. We are a nation that believes in freedom and democracy and representative government. And now is the time for us to decide who we are as a nation. I don't want to go to war with Russia. I don't want to see a nuclear exchange, but I don't believe Putin is that stupid. I don't think he's that far gone. So if they pop a a chemical or a biological weapon, I think that's when we establish a no-fly zone. We fly it with not just Americans, but we fly it with NATO allies. And again, our full podcast called Protecting America is going to come up tomorrow. You've got to check it out. It'll be up on RitaCosbyOnline.com. You can check it out on wherever you get your great podcasts. You can download it from there. And it's called Protecting America with Rita Cosby. We will have that full discussion with General Boykin. I'll play a couple of little clips tomorrow night, too, because he does not hold anything back. And he says the world needs to galvanize right now and make it very clear to Vladimir Putin before it is too late, before he unleashes basically the dogs of hell on the Ukrainian people, as if it hasn't been bad enough from seeing these images that we have seen in the last few days. Everybody, what are your thoughts about all of this and where do we go from here now that Putin is definitely upping the ante in a very very ominous way. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Elena in Teaneck, New Jersey. Go ahead, Elena, your thoughts. Good evening, Rita. Good evening. This is scary stuff, Elena. You're Polish. Aren't you Polish, Elena? Uh, Ukrainian. Ukrainian. Oh, oh you're Ukrainian. in my family. Yep. And by the way, my father was born, by the way, in, uh, in Brest, which was Poland. Now it's part of Belarus. Um, but you guys all know my father was a Warsaw Upriser, so you know where I stand. Okay, my father my father was getting those Molotov cocktails and throwing them in the tanks. And my father was born in Sanok. Oh, wow. Oh, my right gosh. Right on the River Sun. Yes, exactly. Wow, wow, wow. So where, what do you think with this history that you okay. have, Elena? Well, with the most recent talking points coming out of Russia, Putin is using fear. He's saying that he's, he needs to cleanse. What he's really saying is that Ukrainians are not Ukrainians. They're Russians, and he's going to cleanse Russians who are protesting in Russia. He's going to cleanse Ukrainians in Ukraine, and he has the same attitude towards any country that was in the Soviet Union. Now, another thing that he's saying... And, and by the way, Elena, I yes. actually agree with you. That's how yeah. I read it, too. I read it Absolutely. that... I read it that... And Francis was saying that she yes. thinks it was sort of like like it's a message to those who might try to take him out or do something within Russia. I think, obviously, those people he definitely wants to get rid of. But I think it, it really is a message to anybody, especially, like you just said, in Ukraine. I think it's a very serious message to the people of Ukraine, too. Yes, he's also saying that you have to legalize the Russian language. Well, that is the Soviet Union. That is Stalin's Russification. Everybody in the Soviet Union, all the nations, had to use Russian as the only language. So he's going back to grassroots of the Soviet Union, and he's verbalizing it. He's also saying that he has to obliterate the Nazis There's no Nazis. What he means is nationals. He does not consider Ukrainians as Ukrainians, a nation, a national. He considers them as a Nazi because people in the world may not know the difference. 
And the words sound the same, just like Rus and Russia sound the same, two different countries, two different countries. And he's doing it to also embolden his troops, too, because he's trying to get these, these, that we're hearing all these reports of Russian troops who don't like, who thought they were going there for a whole different purpose, and now they're realizing and they're seeing these reports of, you know, of course, what's happening with the women and children and yes. just these horrible things. And they're they're seeing so many people get slaughtered and the fight of yes. the Ukrainian people. So he's trying to kind of give them, if you will, a justification. The irony of it all is that Zelensky's Jewish, that, you know, the president exactly. of Ukraine's Jewish. Exactly. And Rita, I have the utmost respect for Nikki, Nikki Haley and her opinions. She has a very broad intelligent, well-worked perspective of world politics from the United Nations. And I have the utmost respect for her thoughts and her opinions and her suggestions. Yeah, I do too. And you know, it's, you know, it's interesting, Elena, that she and also, and even, and Blinken, Blinken is usually, I feel like kind of lowballs everything. And he came right out today and said, you know, this is sort of where we anticipate his next move is. Like, I mean, came basically telegraphing to the world he's about to potentially maybe use chemical weapons. And that's frightening. Um, yes. And and then Nikki Haley, just as you said, I always find her quite measured. I don't think she, she's not like a flamethrower. And for no, her no. to say, you know, this is a guy who's done it before. We got to take him at his word. And it, there is clearly a change in tone at the top of the, even at the Biden administration, the fact that Joe Biden, who I think has been asleep, you know, for uh, since he's been in office pretty much, came out today just a few hours ago saying Putin is a murderous dictator and thug. So he's... Well, it's about time. Yeah, he finally. Woke up. Finally. Woke up. Rita, now as far as the chemical warfare is consider, concerned, I think that he tried that with the Chernobyl and taken over the power plants. And I think he realized that if he lets... The nuclear uh, poison out, he's also going to ruin Russia. So now he's looking for another venue, which is some sort of chemical uh, warfare, which may be a little more limited and centralized and not affect Russia, because after all, he is Russia. Right. No, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Really interesting points. Elena, thank you. Always love hearing from you. Thank you. And I wish it was on a happier topic. Thank you so much. Let's go to Will in Poughkeepsie. Will, your thoughts. You just heard Elena. Um, also, her thoughts of, you know, she's obviously very concerned with this rhetoric from Putin. What do you think? Yeah, good evening, uh, Rita. Um, well, if I was president, I would have already had three aircraft carriers out there. You have to show this guy that I mean business. You know, he said today, oh, well, uh, if he uses chemical weapons, um, uh, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. Look, you got to have presence. You have to have some type of military presence. Look, we're going to get dragged into this. It's just I'm an um, uh, ex-armed force member, and the way this is going, the devastation that's happened over there already, we're going to get dragged in this, guys. I'm sorry. You feel feel it's inevitable, Will. Yes, it's going to happen. So we might as well just bring the carriers over there and let him know, listen, we mean business. If you, if you lose nerve agent, this is going to be totally different. We are going to retaliate. you got you got to tell that to him. Yeah, it has to be preemptive. Like, like you're saying, Will, you know, 
I'm hearing, okay, I'm glad to hear a little rhetoric coming, a little strong, a little bit of a backbone, finally, you know, one eighth of a spine, I'll give it, you know, from uh, Biden. But we're, you know, but he needs to exactly, I agree with you, he needs to be told ahead of time, do not go any further. If you will, X is going to happen. You know, I don't hear that. Where is that kind of like pounding your fist on the desk and saying, no more, the world is not going to tolerate this. We don't want to be reactionary, you know. Right. Talk is cheap. You got to have presence. You got to send carriers over there. That's just me. That's just my opinion. Look, if you want to roll, we're going to roll. And you got to show this guy, listen, I got my my 16s and 18s here ready to go. So if you think I'm kidding, try me. Yeah, the problem is, you know, we have already seen, I think, Putin sees a pushover U.S. president. And and he's also trying to do a deal. That's the whole other thing, too. Well, he's trying to do a deal with Iran in the middle of all this and trying to use Russia to help him get a deal with Iran for a nuclear deal that many people said is a terrible deal. But he's trying yeah. to, you know, but he desperately wants this deal. So he's going to try to use Russia. Like, how are you going to how are you going to enforce anything against Russia when you're trying to use them to help you get another deal? I mean, this is insanity. And it's almost like the, you know, chess. It's chess. That's what it is. It is. It is. And and I don't think he's a very good game player in any sense of the word, whether it's checks, you know, chess, checkers or hopscotch. I wouldn't trust him with hopscotch. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. What do we do now? What should Biden do now? And how concerned are you when you hear this kind of rhetoric from Vladimir Putin, who has a history of sadly using chemical weapons on people in the past and now saying he wants to, quote, cleanse people that are traitors of Russia. Is he referring to everybody that is against Russia in his mind? Where is he going with this? Many people are deeply concerned. And what should we do militarily? And what do we need to say to him now? 1-800-848-9222. And you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. This is The Rita Cosby Show. Breaking news. Now, the latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And tonight uh, we are getting word that a number of cities in Ukraine are being targeted as we speak including a number of them, of course, in the southern part and the eastern part. And Mariupol continues to also get hammered, which is just incredible because there are reports that 90 percent of the buildings in that city alone have been ruined from the Russian airstrikes. That is an amazing, amazing, amazing number. Um, Meantime, also, we are getting word that President Joe Biden just a little bit ago Finally had some tough talk for Vladimir Putin. Take a listen. This is how he described Russia's leader, who many believe is a madman. And finally, Biden had a little bit of tough words for him. My generic point is that, you know, uh, now you have Ireland and uh, Great Britain and, and, uh, you know, uh, the Republic uh, uh, standing together against a murderous dictator pure thug who is waging an immoral war against the people of Ukraine. So that's Biden's version of being tough. Um, I'm glad at least he called him a murderous dictator. He called him a thug. He called him a war criminal. Um, Also earlier today, Secretary of State 
Uh, uh, Blinken also, when he was at the State Department, called him a war criminal and described why he was committing, quote, war crimes. And part of the reason is some of the intelligence that the U.S. says it is getting that it looks like Russia is creating this sort of impression of false flag where they're going to claim that, oh, Ukraine did something to us. And then they believe uh, it is tied to chemical weapons and essentially potentially Russia could use chemical weapons on the Ukrainian people and claim that it was the Ukrainians who did it. Like the Ukrainians are bombing their own theaters with children and people as they're claiming, which nobody believes. But it's just an unbelievable uh, elevation of where things are right now on this war. It's already been terrible, as we have seen in the last three weeks. And particularly this week has been, I think, the most brutal yet with the leveling of that theater, with the leveling of a shopping center. Uh, now reports in the last 24 hours that a food market was leveled. Um, another university was also leveled. They are clearly going after targets trying to break the will of the Ukrainian people. But if you listen to the Ukrainian people, they're even more emboldened than ever to go after this murderous thug. But boy, is it getting concerning now that we are hearing all of these comments coming from Vladimir Putin and also the intelligence from our U.S. State Department, which I think has been extremely slow to act. But their intelligence so far has been pretty decent in terms of what they say could happen And they were saying it with a pretty good assertion today. And that is a frightening premise, not just for Ukraine, but for the world. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Jimmy in Brooklyn, New York. Go ahead, Jim, your thoughts about all this. Yes, lately we've been hearing more about the defector that was poisoned with polonium-210, Litvinenko, who was murdered in uh, London. The reason the Soviets murdered him was he revealed that the bombings in Moscow, the Chechens' bombing of the buildings of Moscow, was not done by the Chechens. It was done by Soviet intelligence, or what some people say, Russian intelligence. Litvinenko also exposed that Ayman al-Zawahiri, the al-Qaeda leader, was trained by the Soviets. So Litvinenko revealed two very important secrets the Soviets, the communists, don't want us to know about. So he was killed. That's the threaten anybody else who gets out of line. But also what. So, so hey, Jim, so, invite- Jim, let me just ask you, um, based on what you're saying, um, what do you think? How do you read Putin saying we plan to cleanse Russian traitors? Do you think he's talking about the Ukrainian people as well as his own, you know, as well as the Russians? Well, it sounds that way, but I, I think it's better to describe instead of we're not fighting, uh, Ukraine is not fighting Russians, they're fighting Soviets. That's how it should be looked at. We don't want this, the Russians united behind Putin thinking that this is a war against Russia. We have to try to separate Russia as a country uh, from the, the leaders now, and Putin is a Soviet. There's no two ways around it. It's funny when the communist does something bad, mean, or evil, our side refers to them as fascist. Putin was KGB. He's old-line communist. He wants the Soviet Union back, the Russian Empire. He, he seems like a madman, but, you know, when, when somebody you say is a madman, you'd misjudge sometimes that maybe he's outsmarting everybody. Yeah, well, he is a, and he is, he is a calculated madman, um, very calculated. We're going to continue talking after the break, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. I know 
Now, the latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And everybody, you're listening to the Rita Cosby Show as air raid sirens continue to be heard throughout many cities in Ukraine as Russia ramps up its attacks on civilian targets. Thick smoke can be seen uh, in the city of Kharkiv, where a food market was hit today. Also, by the way, in Kiev, a big apartment building was hit. All of these civilians inside. And Russia continues its relentless assault on innocent women and children. It is outrageous. And by the way, in the middle of all this, the refugee crisis is busting at the seams. So far, more than three million people have fled Ukraine. And things are so bad that we just got word a little bit ago that the Czech Republic is no longer able to accept refugees from Ukraine, that they have taken so many. According to the Czech prime minister, over 270,000 Ukrainians arrived in the country since February 24th, um, also saying that more than half of them are children, 80 percent of the adults are women and that they are busting at the seams and cannot handle any more refugees. That's the first country that I've seen that's basically said we have hit our limit. Poland, by the way, has had almost two million refugees coming into their country and not a single refugee camp or anything like that set up. Uh, Most people are just taking them into their homes. It's been extraordinary what's been happening in all these different countries. And Poland, bravo to them for taking in, and it's mostly people, just homes taking them in. But uh, Czech Republic now saying that they can no longer handle refugees coming from Ukraine. Um, They are coming, by the way, they are being put in so many different countries around the world. And in fact, later on in this hour, in about a half an hour or so from now, um, we're going to play an interview that I just did uh, with Ireland's ambassador to the United States, Dan Mulhall. And he is going to be talking about the refugees that have made it to Ireland. There's probably not a single country on the globe that has not had some of the refugees come in in the last three weeks. And Ireland has gotten several thousand of them. He's going to talk about what they have been doing and that sort of kinship, as it is St. Patrick's Day, uh, the kinship of America and Ireland and Ireland understanding that sort of fight for freedom and what they have endured. And he's going to talk about what they are doing to help the Ukrainian refugees. Um, Also, By the way, this is a really powerful number. Over 320,000 Ukrainians have actually returned home since the beginning of the war. Um, According to the Ukrainian State Border Guard Service, most Ukrainians returning home back into Ukraine, coming back in. And again, over 300,000 of them are men coming back to fight. So bravo to them. And the most dire of circumstances, those people who are outside of the country have come back in, over 300,000 of them coming back to protect their homeland. And boy, are they giving Vladimir Putin a fight for his lifetime. And let's hope it is uh, somebody who takes out this guy, because I'm telling you, this guy, the rhetoric that we have heard in the last few days, particularly in the last few hours, where he has essentially talked about cleansing Russian traitors, anybody that he sees as a traitor to Russia, uh, he is clearly a madman out of control. And President Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, did an interview not too long ago with NBC News. And I want to play this because he says, listen, we already may be in the start 
of World War III, that this could be the beginning already of World War III, even though the U.S. hasn't really been officially pulled in or NATO and let's hope to God we never get there, you guys. But he says, you know what, looking back at history, it may have already begun. Take a listen. President Biden has been very clear. He's worried about provocations that could trigger World War III. Do you understand his concern there? And do you agree that it wouldn't take much to end up in World War III? Nobody knows whether it may have already started and what is the possibility of uh, this war if uh, Ukraine will fall, in case Ukraine will fall. It's very hard to say. Very hard to say. And here's a little bit more of his answer talking about history. And we've seen this 80 years ago when the Second World War has started. And there were similar tragedies in the history. Nobody would be able to predict when the full-scale war would start and how it will end and who will end, put an end to that. In any case, the wars uh, tend to end up in millions of people lost. Uh, people die in millions of uh, um, buildings destroyed. Now we have different technologies, nuclear weapons. In this case, we have the, the whole civilization at stake. The whole civilization at stake. And he says it's all on the line in the capital city of Kiev. Take a listen. Here's a little bit more of that interview with Zelensky talking to NBC. If Kiev falls to the Russians, does the entire country of Ukraine fall to the Russians? Well, our people are unconquerable, and this is uh, what our people have clearly demonstrated. You can conquer the city, you can broke the heart, but you won't be able uh, to uh, force anyone to love uh, someone. That is why the heart will always remain with the Ukrainians. Wow, I love that spirit. Talk about a contrast between Zelensky and our president and some of these other leaders who I think in the world need to really start stepping up because, boy, the stakes are high. Um, and again, as he says, that all I kept thinking about was what I was just saying and just telling you guys that 320,000 Ukrainians have returned home since the beginning of the war, knowing that this is a battle royale against the Russians and a David and Goliath fight. And yet they are in there with everything they have. And most of them are indeed men coming back to take up arms and fight for their country. Let's go to your calls, everybody. It's 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Kevin in New Jersey. Kevin, your thoughts about all of this and Biden's handling of it and what we should do now, Kev? Hey, Rita. Um, it's nice to talk to you again. You and I spoke the last minute of two nights ago. A lot has happened in two nights. 
And I want to thank you for calling me Kev the other night. I call my son Kev, and it's an endearing term, so thank you. You're welcome. So, you See, we're old friends now, Kev, so I can definitely call right. you that. <laughs> I, I looked you up. We're, we're within two, two years of each other. We probably dated in high school. Oh, my God. Well, if you are really good-looking and charming and extremely successful, then I had to have dated you. Okay. <laughs> Can't you tell from my voice? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so let me let me tell you so we we were talking about um and you agreed with me right why is biden acting beholden to putin who's he protecting what dealings in with russia and the mayor's wife you know is is the problem why is he so tepid why do we have a commander-in-chief who half this country voted for to be a commander, and he's not commanding. He needs to command. So here's what we got to do. We got If there's nothing wrong with, with Stinger missiles that are fired by Ukrainian citizens and arms that are fired by Ukrainian citizens, there's nothing wrong with an empty MiG that's flown by a Ukrainian pilot, right? Get the MIGs up in the air, you know, get the convoys destroyed, you know, take some some teeth out of Putin. And then here's another thing, Rita. Use this tape, this conversation, send it to the White House, schedule yourself an interview, uh, you know, on behalf of WABC and ask Biden why he's beholden, why he's so tepid and why he's not commanding. How's that for a solution? By the way, I like it all. And believe me, if I was in front of Biden, I've I've interviewed Biden before. I've talked to Biden. Um, and I am astounded at his lackluster approach. And I, I guess it's par for the course, sadly, because look at I feel like the whole country has been fairly rudderless this last year in general. But boy, is it like expanded and highlighted given what a dire crisis that we're seeing right now. And he he does need to lead. He needs to somehow be truly the leader of the free world. And you've got these people who potentially could be the victims of a chemical weapon attack, according to his own secretary of state. So the best he can do is kind of be like, uh, 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 uh. And in fact, Kev, I want to play this. This is the comment we just got in of him calling uh, Putin a murderous thug. Um, I want to play that because I want to get your reaction because this this is the strongest he's been so far. And this, to me, is still wimpy. Take a listen. My generic point is that, you know, uh, now you have Ireland and uh, Great Britain and, and uh, you know, uh, the Republic uh, uh, standing together against a murderous dictator, a pure thug who is waging an immoral war against the people of Ukraine. So at least he used some harsh language, Kev, but he was like, uh, 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 I mean, if you're Putin, does that sound like somebody you should be scared of? Uh, Rita, I'm so glad that you, you uh, waited for my reaction. That shows we're a kindred spirit. Here's my reaction. Remember yesterday um, the, the media asked uh, Biden if, uh, if um, Putin's a war criminal? What did Biden say? He said no, and then he ran to his uh, press secretary, and his press secretary probably said, what are you doing? 
He's clearly a war criminal. So Biden wimpily runs back and says, oh, no, I made a mistake, right? He's a war criminal. He's a war criminal. But the reality is he already protected Putin, you know, in some type of uh, silent agreement he has with Putin, it seems, right? Now all now it's all sticks and stones, you know, but names will never hurt me, right? Biden can call all the names he wants. Putin doesn't care. Putin already knows that Biden's first reaction was he's not a war criminal, right? So we, we need sticks and stones to break some bones. We need some MIGs in the air, right? We need some 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 support. I agree. And I need I, you need to say something to him to put his back up against the wall to say, hey, don't go any further and get the heck out of Ukraine. And right now there's like no incentive, you know, and, and it's like he's like, you know, laughing to the bank almost, you know, I mean, it really is. It's really frightening. And he's getting I mean, I do think he's taking losses, Kevin, clearly, if you look at some of these reports, but he doesn't seem to care. I mean, this kind of a mindset you know, it doesn't really care. The Russians have a history of like it was very famous, you know, when in, in previous battles in World War Two, when the Russian soldiers maybe didn't want to fight and they were coming back, running back towards, you know, their fellow comrades. Uh, the order back then was shoot to kill, you know, get rid of them. You know, that's what Stalin was like, get rid of them. You know what I mean? Like if they don't have the guts to fight, we don't need them. And that's the same sort of attitude as Putin. These guys are ruthless. So, you know, he's not going to care. He's he's going to give, I think, as many of his countrymen as he can to fulfill his grandiose, crazy mission. And you're right. Our president needs to get a backbone and needs to get in there and try to resolve this and force them to the table and show some might to say, do not go further. Do I mean, you got to stop. I mean, what more does it take? They're leveling markets. They're leveling apartment buildings. They're leveling theaters. I mean, it is it is unbelievable, Kevin. That theater had it where it said children outside in both directions, written in Russian. I mean, it's like, and they still leveled it. They actually targeted that location. I mean, this this is a monster. And unless you put the back up to the wall, he's going to keep going. I mean, this is it's an incredible moment, Kevin. And it's and I really I I hear what you're saying because we have a president who has, you know, is so lackluster at a time where it couldn't be more serious. And, and I'll give you a few seconds since we dated in high school. So go ahead, Kevin. Oh, good. Thank <laughs> you. Well, remember, on Tuesday night, in my minute, I did get a chance to say that he, he might be mentally ill, uh, Putin, right? So, and then, and now you, you have even said on your radio show that he's a madman. So mentally ill, insane, madman, they're all the same type thing. If he's not with it, he's he's going to bomb children. He's going to injure pregnant women and have their hips broken, right? And then they're going to die, right? Are we going to wait for chemical weapons before Biden's a commander? Be a commander. That's why you need to go down to, to Washington and interview Biden and hold him accountable. Somebody has to stand in Rush Limbaugh's place. He's not here anymore. How about that be you, Rita? Well, and by the way, I love Rush. And you're right. I would definitely. Uh, the problem is he, like, seems to dodge and weave. And you could tell he is doing very few interviews. But believe me, I'll push it. I'll keep trying because 
I would love to grill him. And boy, is there a lot to sear and a lot to talk about. Um, Kev, my dear friend, thank you. And we'll look forward to you talking again soon. Thanks so much. And everybody, we're going to continue with your calls after the break. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. How do you think our president is doing or not doing after the break? This is the Rita Cosby Show. Latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And tonight here on the Rita Cosby Show, word from Secretary of State Anthony Blinken in the Biden administration saying, quote, I don't see signs that Putin is about to stop. In other words, he is continuing his onslaught. And tonight, more civilian targets are being hit. There's a series of them that are taking place, as we're hearing, in the eastern part of the country where a market was hit, also a community center, another university was hit, air raid sirens again going off throughout the country. And also we know that President Biden is expected to discuss Russia's war against Ukraine with the Chinese leader tomorrow. He has a call schedule with Chinese leader Xi Jinping And it'll be interesting to see what is he going to say to him, because we know that they're a little cozy with Russia. I hope he has the cojones to say, butt out, do not get involved, do not help Russia in any shape or form. Not that I would trust China, because China's probably, oh, no, we're probably not going to do anything. But I hope that he gives them some really serious talk and does something to dissuade them from trying to either buy oil from Russia or to try to send potentially military to Russia. Can you imagine? Because there are reports that Russia is already looking for other mercenaries to come in, and there are reports that they are trying to recruit maybe Chinese military uh, to come in and do the fight with them in Ukraine. Boy, is things getting complicated. So do you have confidence that President Biden is going to be able to tell another nemesis of the United States, butt out and don't partner with Russia. And this comes at the same time that they are actually trying to basically cozy up with Russia. This is the irony of it all, of all the craziness. They're trying to cozy up with Russia to get a deal for Iran, for the nuclear deal that they're trying to do with Iran. They're trying to cozy up and say, hey, Russia, can you help us, you you know, us U.S.? And get this deal with Iran, this nuclear deal. How crazy is this? But we're really going to bomb. We're really going to hold you to feet to the fire in Ukraine. I mean, this doesn't make any sense at all. Why are you doing this deal with Iran and trying to coddle Russia in that deal and then think you're going to have leverage with them in Ukraine? Boy, is the world completely upside down. And take a listen. This is Senator Ted Cruz because he believes that the stakes are so high right now and the concern possibly of nuclear, concern possibly of chemical attack, all of these things. And he says we wouldn't be in this situation if Biden was basically a tougher leader. Take a listen. I think we should respond with strength. If any of that happens, we we go into uncharted territory. We haven't seen a a nuclear weapon used since the end of World War II. Uh, we've managed to, to, to hold off anyone using a nuclear weapon. I pray to God that doesn't happen. I will say I think the odds of it happening are increasing because I think presidential weakness from the White House invites this. 
weakness in the White House invites this. And here's a little bit more. He says that some of the weakness was telegraphed on the way we handled Afghanistan, leaving Americans behind and basically giving, what was it, $83 billion worth of equipment to the Afghans? Why the heck is that sitting there? Why did we leave it for the Taliban? We should have brought it over to the Ukrainian people who would have loved it right now. Take a listen. Here's a little more of Ted Cruz talking about Biden's disastrous withdrawal of Afghanistan and the repercussions that caused. This war was preventable. I think it was caused by two specific mistakes made by the White House. Number one, Biden's disastrous withdrawal and surrender in Afghanistan to the Taliban. I think every enemy of America took the measure of the man in the Oval Office and concluded that he was weak and feckless and ineffective. And when we come back, everybody, we're going to continue. We're going to take your calls. What do you make of all this and where we go from here? And how much of Biden's weakness has gotten us into what could be a catastrophic situation? We also have one of my favorite segments, Support Our Heroes. Rita Cosby is on. Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, a beautiful story coming out of Ohio where they are honoring someone who served her country in uniform and came back home and is now serving veterans in the community. Allen County Veterans Services Executive Director Tamara Wilson walked into the office 25 years ago to get her veterans benefits, and she saw that they were also hiring at that time, and she has been with that organization ever since, now helping fellow veterans. She, by the way, was the first woman that was a veteran and also the first African-American woman to work in that office, and they gave her a beautiful award this week and also honored women as it is Women's History Month. And we are talking, of course, about what's been happening in Ukraine because men and women in uniform are in countries near Ukraine like Poland and Romania and elsewhere, American troops trying to keep the peace, protect NATO, and also do work for the refugees to help them, the humanitarian crisis. And as I was mentioning, some big news we just found out a little bit ago that the Czech Republic is no longer accepting refugees from Ukraine, uh, saying that they are just overloaded short term, uh, that over 270,000 Ukrainians have arrived in the country. More than half of them are children um, and that they are just basically at this point busting at the seams. So many refugees flooding out of the war zone. And coming up in just a second, I'm going to play my interview with Ireland's ambassador to the U.S., Dan Mulhall, about his role and about Ireland's role in taking in Ukrainian refugees, because they're really going all over the world, including to Ireland. Of course, today is St. Patrick's Day, so I asked him a little bit about that as well. And first, I want to play, because we've been talking a lot of heavy news, but I want to talk And also just I want to have you hear beautiful sights and sounds from the St. Paddy's Day Parade, which is always amazing in New York City. Here's a little bit of it. And 
joining us now is the ambassador of Ireland to the United States, Dan Mulhall. Ambassador, so great to have you here and happy St. Patrick's Day. Well, and a happy St. Patrick's Day to you, Rita, and to all of your listeners around the United States. Uh, Delighted to be able to talk to you today. And Ambassador Dan Mulhall, I was astounded. I have many Irish friends, by the way, um, but it's what, 10% of the American population yeah, yeah, can trace it? The population it? of the United States has an Irish heritage. And the great thing about it is that many of them are proud of that heritage, even though they may be descended from people who left Ireland 100 plus years ago. Uh, they still have an affinity with Ireland, an affiliation with Ireland. They, they want to associate with us. And this is a great boost for me as ambassador to meet so many people all over this great country. Country who are proud of their Irish heritage, proud of their links with Ireland, and very supportive of Ireland in so many ways. And we have, what, the most Irish U.S. president since JFK, right? Correct, yes. Uh, eight of the uh, president's uh, great-great-grandparents were born in Ireland, so he is uh, genuinely uh, the most Irish American, uh, the most Irish American president since uh, uh, John F. Kennedy, which, of course, uh, makes things all the more special for us uh, this week. Now, of course, the um, the relationship with the United States doesn't depend on who's in, in office in the, the White House because uh, this um, you know annual celebration where the Irish Prime Minister comes to Washington, this has been going on for 30 years, so it's gone on in, in every administration then, regardless of which side of the aisle happens to uh, be in charge of the White House. Give us the history of St. Patrick's Day, why we all celebrate it. I mean, everybody seems to take part whether they're Irish or not. (laughs) Correct. I suppose St. Patrick's Day is really something that was pioneered by the Irish in America. I think when they first arrived here in the 19th century, there wasn't always a 100% welcome for them. There was kind of a certain amount of resistance towards the, the large numbers of Irish who came here in the from the uh, 1800 onwards. And I think the Irish wanted to assert themselves. And one way of asserting themselves was to organize this annual celebration of Irish heritage. And they chose St. Patrick's Day because St. Patrick was the person who brought Christianity to Ireland back in the 5th century. And people of all backgrounds in Ireland can relate to St. Patrick because it's... uh, He's a reminder of our common uh, Christian heritage uh, and so forth. So, yeah, it became a big celebration in America. And then uh, I think over time, uh, people in Ireland started to celebrate St. Patrick's Day as well more and more vigorously. And when we became independent 100 years ago, we had to choose a national day. And we decided to choose uh, St. Patrick's Day. Again, it was designed to be a symbol of unity, that all Irish people, regardless of what tradition they've come from, regardless of what religion they practice, could uh, associate with the uh, the legacy of St. Patrick's. So that's why it became Ireland's National Day. And, of course, uh, the parades now, which are a big feature of, uh, of America and have been for, for decades, we have some great parades uh, in Ireland. And today there'll be a, a huge parade in Dublin, which is like a, almost like a Mardi Gras parade. It's such a colourful event. And uh, so we celebrate St. Patrick's Day now with great gusto. But a lot of it, a lot of the inspiration for it comes from the Irish who started celebrating St. Patrick's Day here uh, during the 19th century. How is it different in Ireland? You talk about, of course, the big parade, as you mentioned, in Dublin. Um, but is it different in Ireland than we celebrate here? And is no, there a lot of I, no, is there a lot of Irish whiskey and Irish coffee like there yeah, is in America? Yeah. Well, I mean, probably less Irish coffee maybe than here, uh, but certainly uh, 
I mean, I, I think it's it, it's regarded now as a as a as a day of celebration. It's it's a national holiday, like what you have here for 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 the, for the Fourth of July. And I think more and more Irish people take a pride in our achievements, especially this year because it's the hundredth anniversary of Irish independence. So it's a big year for Ireland to to sort of look back over the things we've managed to achieve over the last hundred years. Ireland's now a very prosperous, uh, open. Um, uh, you know, society with a very strong economy and with a, a, a proud tradition, an unbroken tradition of uh, democratic government for the last hundred years. And given the upheavals that have taken place in the world during that century, uh, it is no small achievement to have reached our hundredth birthday in such a good situation. And you talked about, obviously, um, just the, the spirit of freedom there. There's such a history, and it's no surprise because Ireland really has been embracing, as you talk about the Ukrainian refugees, um, really a spirit of, even though they're not a member of, of NATO, um, you are obviously a member of the EU, and you're really yes. situated between Europe and the United States physically, right. too. Yeah, that's right. No, I mean, Irish people, I mean, our, our, our Prime Minister said uh, last weekend on, on a BBC programme that we were driven by a humanitarian impulse. In other words, people in Ireland have seen with their own eyes what's happening in Ukraine. So there can be no sitting on the fence. This is a gross violation of the sovereignty of Ukraine, a flagrant breach of international law. And even though Ireland is militarily neutral, we are not politically neutral and we're not neutral in the struggle between right and wrong. And therefore, we are standing four square with the Ukrainian people. We're giving them refuge in Ireland, giving them shelter. And we're also part of European Union sanctions against Russia and also European Union financial aid uh, to help Ukraine to defend itself against the Russian invasion. Yeah, and have been doing so much to embrace those people who have been coming. And it's a reminder that the refugees are coming throughout the world. That's a big impact, too, as you talk about on your population. But you understand it uh, deeply, deeply and appreciate doing everything you can to help them. Um, Ambassador Mulhall, what an honor to have you here. You're very welcome. And thank you to you. Happy St. Patrick's Day to everyone. Very powerful. And to hear what they're saying, you cannot be on the fence when it's right versus wrong. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Mark in Atlanta, listening here to the Rita Cosby Show. Go ahead, Mark. All right. Thank you for taking my call. To say it quickly, I think we need to give the Ukrainians the weapons they need. That means any anti-aircraft weapon that is available, we need to make sure we do it at once without further delay. Otherwise, we will be in the beginning stages of World War Three, yeah, I think about- we I think we need to send a message that we have the might and don't go there, Putin. Don't you? I mean, I wish we had done. I by the way, I wish we had sent in planes a long time ago. They it might have averted Putin from coming in. What do you think? Well, we promised them that we would do that in September and also in May of last year, and now we're backing out. But at this point, it is too precarious. We need to do something immediately. And we don't necessarily have to have a no-fly zone. We can give them the weapons they need, and they'll take care of the Russians, have them bogged down for many, many years to come. Yeah, and that would be a great thing with them leaving between their tail between their legs. Boy, would that be great if they could get bogged down like in Afghanistan and elsewhere, as we've seen. Mark, thank you very much. Um, Great perspective. Let's go to Michael in Virginia Beach. Michael, your thoughts about what we should do now? 
Well, I uh, appeal to the wisest man in history who said, blessed are the peacemakers. And um, the only peacemaker I've heard uh, so far tonight on your show was your first caller, Craig, who uh, has a grasp of the facts of reality on the ground uh, uh, regarding the situation in Ukraine. So if we're going to have a peacemaker, we've got to have somebody on the air who doesn't call uh, Putin a madman uh, every uh, uh, minute and a half. All right. So, Michael, let me get it straight. You agree, if I remember, the first caller uh, was a Russian apologist who basically thought Putin had grounds to do what he was doing because that was his sort of former empire. And I want it. I'm going to take it. And by the way, also, Michael, he made that comment after I played Putin, who is on record now saying that we want to cleanse Russian traitors. Uh, That kind of language. What do you think of that language, Michael? I mean, when you hear that kind of language that we want to cleanse people, um, and this is a guy who has used chemical weapons before, and that caller seems to think uh, that it's not okay to do that, but it's okay to come in and take over a country. My goodness. Go ahead, Michael. Well, uh, the the cleansing that uh, I'm concerned about uh, are all these um, uh, Fatima cult fanatics who have for uh, uh, over 100 years been trying to uh, bring war against uh, the uh, eastern half of the Roman church, uh, which is uh, headquartered in Moscow. Well, we Mike, Michael, need- let me, let's stay focused on this century, all right? Right now, we have a guy who has come in who is saying he wants to cleanse, you know, cleanse people who are against him, which could mean his fellow Russians. It could mean Ukrainians. And we have a guy who has a history of using chemical weapons. And you seem to be justifying him. So go ahead. Well, uh, you yourself said uh, on Monday or Tuesday of this week that 8,600 Russians have entered illegally into this country. And we've got the Fatima freak in the White House who doesn't care about that and who is setting us up to be attacked by these uh, uh, Stasi agents who were trained by Putin in East Germany to do exactly what they are planning to do in this country while the Fatima idiots celebrate St. Patrick's Day. Well, and listen, by the way, Michael, certainly nobody wants anything to happen in this country. Um, I agree with you that the guy in the White House uh, doesn't have all his marbles at this point. That's the only thing I will agree with, uh, with what you've said. And I absolutely at this point, you know, I don't think anybody should be making excuses for Vladimir Putin. But I appreciate your call. Good luck in Virginia Beach. Um, let's go to Dom in Minnesota. Go ahead, Dom. I need some voice of reason after that call. Go ahead. <laughs> you know, Rita, Biden is being finally, I think, quote-unquote, forced to call Putin a thug, assuming he even knows what it means because the entire Biden family are a crime family syndicate. So he thinks it's a normal course of business. But I think now he's terrified that the mayor of Moscow might expose Hunter for the $3.5 million he received. Yeah, by, the, by the way, you, you bring up a great point, Dom, because, and in fact, it came out today um, from the New York Times, verifying what the New York Post reported a long time before, um, confirming about the laptop and all that other stuff. And you're right, there's still a lot of dirt 
and a lot of questions about some of the business deals and some of that. You know, there's still, I think, a lot more to be exposed on that front. Um, yeah. But and, but right and, now and, we're on a precipice, Dom. This is a scary time, uh, even though the last caller is a big Russian apologist. But go ahead. No, no, because I think I think his call to Xi Jinping might go something like this. He might say, President Xi, let's make a deal. You call Putin and tell him that the $3.5 million were meant for a donation that Biden was Hunter was going to give to somebody, and we'll call it quits, and you can do whatever with, with, you want with the United States of America. I'll give you a free reign. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Dom, how scary. So, by the yeah. way, by the way, who knows what this guy, you know, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Scare, scary and, stuff. And, and, and last point, Rita. You know, so we have the Biden-Gambino family running the country. And I don't know if you know this, but we just have had a Madam President Stacey Abrams become the president of the United Federation of the Earth. Did you hear that? No, she I missed that. I know that so she's, she's still. Gonna, I know she still believes she's governor of Atlanta, but <laughs> no, no, she's she's going to star in the Star Trek Discovery series as the United President of Planet Earth. Well, you, know, you what? know what? When 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 <laughs> when when I when I hear about her, I'm definitely feeling like I'm out of this world. I'll give you that one. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Dom, you're great. Thank you very yeah, much. Thank let's, you. Let's go to yeah. Charles in South Carolina. Charles, what do you make of this and the fact? That, boy, we all feel like, you know, we do feel like our president's on another planet. So go ahead. Hi, Rita. I'm a big fan, and uh, thank you very much for having me on here. I recently moved down here from New York to get away from all the high taxes and all the craziness in New York. Um, But I think that the situation here is that Putin is playing chess and Biden is playing tiddlywinks. And I think we need to go back to what Reagan and Trump did, which is basically playing poker. Um, the reason that I don't think that Putin did anything during Trump's reign was because, uh, you know, he was afraid of what Trump might do. Um, I think we need to have somebody who can be strong like Trump was and basically tell Biden, listen, tell uh, Putin, listen, um, you know, if you, you know, if you don't get out of there quickly, we're going to just let Ukraine into NATO. And I think that would end it very quickly. I don't think Putin would be allowed to use any nuclear weapons. I think all that talk is just a lot of fear-mongering. And by the way, um, and and listen, let's hope, of course, that it is just fear-mongering on his part. Um, But I also agree with you. We need to put something on the table that he kind of backs off. And like you talked about, Charles, the, you know, the Reagan peace through strength. Um, and right now we're not showing strength. And you're right. We are sort of playing or at least Biden's playing tiddlywinks. And it's a scary person to be playing it with. Um, thank you very much, Charles. I went to University of South Carolina, so I'm a Gamecock. So you take good care of my great uh, South Carolina. All right. All right. Thank you. You take care. Thank you, Charles. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. 1-800-848-9222. And you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. What should we do next? And is our president clueless or what? It's the Rita Cosby Show. Breaking news. Now, the latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And just in, the Terminator, Arnold Schwarzenegger, now making an impassioned plea to the Russian citizenry and also the Russian military. And you may recall, of course, Schwarzenegger talks about his father's experience, who fought with the Nazis in World War II after the annexation of 
Austria, telling Russians his father lived with deep regret and pain. Take a listen. When my father arrived in Leningrad, he was all pumped up on the lies of his government. When he left Leningrad, he was broken, physically and mentally. He lived the rest of his life in pain, pain from a broken back, pain from the shrapnel that always reminded him of these terrible years, and pain from the guilt that he felt. To the Russian soldiers listening to this broadcast, you already know much of the truth that I've been speaking. You've seen it with your own eyes. I don't want you to be broken like my father. Wow, what a powerful message coming from Arnold Schwarzenegger. Everybody's trying to come in and do what they can to convince the Russians to stop this brutal oppression of Ukraine. One of the most eloquent that I've heard. Boy, wouldn't it be great if President Biden gave a message like that? Stop appealing to the Russian people. And if everybody else around the world was also doing the same thing. Unbelievable. Very powerful. Let's go to your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Phil from the Bronx. Go ahead, Phil. How you doing? Yeah. Hi, Rita. Good evening. Um, first of all, I want to compliment your very first caller of the day. I think it was Frank and that guy, Michael. They they have a very good, solid insight into history and, and the general theory involved in what's happening. I wouldn't be so critical of them. Oh, I'm very critical, Phil. Listen, well, and, and Phil, well, Phil, you're, well, you're hang on, Phil, Phil. Hold on one second. I hear what they're saying. I just do not believe there's any justification. That is the mindset of what Putin is using to justify what he's doing. But I don't think there is any justification for a country coming in and slaughtering people, and especially what we have seen in the last week or two. They just want to kind of put that to the side. And to me, that's reprehensible. But continue, Phil. Yeah, I, but but you shouldn't be so – I detected a heavy air of criticism that, that bordered on, you know, like, who the hell are you people? But the point is this. And, and by the way, you detected it right, so go ahead. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm pretty good with that. Uh, I, my, my, my fundamental belief is that the Ukraine and Zelensky – and the Turks, uh, Erdogan from Turkey, had spoken to uh, uh, Putin about a possible surrender arrangement. Now, I think in the interest of humanity and all the future children and the present children and, and women and, and the helpless in that country, a surrender is absolutely requisite. Like I said last time when I called, very simply, if they surrender and the Russians back up and calm down, and try to act like human beings more, that's fine. If they don't, if they just violate and continue, pick up your gun and start shooting again. But give peace a chance. I hate to quote that. No, and by, people... by the way, Phil, I love that you're saying that. And I know you're a veteran, so I appreciate your background so much. Um, and you're right. Listen, let's hope. However, um, some of the conditions in here, and I was looking at some of the readout from that conversation Some of them um, may not be things that the Ukrainian people would accept. Um, Some of the things may not be things um, that Russia would want on the other side. Um, And boy, wouldn't it be great if peace could have a chance Um, and not necessarily a surrender, just something that both sides can save their face, that the Ukrainian people can live in peace and that this monster backs up for the rest of the world. 
This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 